last two weeks. Anya was ill the first week. And last week, I don't really know. We ran out of time, didn't we? Yeah. You lost two days. Yeah. And then you you were ill as well. I had a cold, but not, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And and then you had a lot of meetings on. Yeah. This is this is the slight downside is when we started Beyond it was sort of in the first lockdown. The, it was yeah. Like, I've got loads of free time. This is easy just doing a podcast. Um, so we do intend to kind of have a regular schedule again. We don't, you know, we're not going to be a once in a blue moon podcast. We, we've just had uh, a run of a couple of weeks where <laughs> mixture of health and busy schedule. Cause last week we would have, we would have recorded on the Friday, but my mother needed us to take her to get her haircut. Yeah. And she had to go to the solicitor. So oh, yeah. that was like a, not like something, a regular thing. That yeah. was a one off. Yeah. yeah. Friday's normally our recording day, but the whole day was out yeah. because of my mother. Um, blame her. Don't blame us. Blame my mum. <laughs> no. Blame that poor 86-year-old woman. <laughs> oh, that selfish 86-year-old woman. That's um, so mean, Paul. <laughs> uh, so, hey, we go to um, Holland week after next. What? Yeah, I know. I'm not ready. Yeah, that's scary, isn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. We're going to pause here in the week after next. I realised this morning and and help and nearly had a heart attack. <laughs> I don't feel prepared either. Somehow, I don't know what we need to prepare, but mentally, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, where has the time gone? I don't know. It's suddenly here. I mean, I'm more stressed <laughs> about the week after we go to Holland. My parents' friend from Australia is coming over, and yeah. she's asked me to pick somewhere. Oh to go to eat in central London, like near Soho. That's been stressing me out because I can't think of anywhere. Well, have you so asked me? I know. I've asked I've asked the kids, which, you know, they've given me all these Instagram places. Which <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure they're the right vibe. And I never really go to Soho, so I don't know what's around. And I'm like, that's stressing me out. So when you when you say the Marillion we Meridian weekend, all I think of is the week after having to find somewhere oh, to go. At least Port Zealand isn't stressing you out. Not really. I mean, you don't have to pack that much. No. Just have to make sure that we're warm. Yeah. Um, well, we've got... We've they've got, got take, food there. We've got to take a mic or two along and sound recorder. Yep. Make sure we've got we the... Documenting. Um, the... What's it called? The plug and the wire. Yeah. All and that. an SD card. Yeah. But um, aside from that, it's they've got everything you need there. Yeah, they do, including pretty those, much those horrible licorice sweets in the pick and mix. Here's the question: Mix there? Yeah, I get it every single time. Do it comes you? in those clear cone bags in the in the supermarket in the market dome. You get pick and mix from the supermarket every time. How am I not every, aware of it's this? It's one of the things I most look forward to at the, from the Meridian Weekend at Port Zealand. Oh, I love the little shop. Yeah, <laughs> I love the little shop so Chris. much. Actually, both shops. I like the touristy shop as well. Oh God! With like the <laughs> the clothes and the little home bits. Which I don't, I don't know if I've ever bought anything from there. I oh, know I got, I got souvenirs for the kids from there. You did, um, but I like seeing like the shower gel and stuff in the little supermarket shop. Wasn't well, there? Aren't they called things like clit and glands? <laughs> yes, they are. They actually <laughs> called clit and glands. Something like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've got photos of them on Facebook. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, so that's coming up. So I'm hoping, you know, we'll see lots of you there. Yeah, I'm really excited about the buffet as well. Yeah. Yeah, we are going for the music. I know what we've talked about is, this is the look, food. Come on, this is our first and time out of the shop. country in, what, three years? Since Possibly. 2019. Yeah, longer than three years, mm. I think. This is the, our first time out of the country. And the last time we left the country did not go that well. No, that was our belated honeymoon and we nearly died. Let's hope that <laughs> doesn't happen this time. Yeah, let's, let's hope we stay safe and healthy. COVID-free. Yes. Yes. So, um, so yeah, so that's coming up, and we're obviously going to do a special episode or two from Port Zealand. That's really exciting. Yeah, uh, we're not going to be um, on stage in the the Adventure Factory because uh... no. What, did you think we? Were, you say that as if it's on <laughs> <laughs> earth. You say this as if you were expecting to. Every time, look, I've I've suggested many times that we do some sort of little live show and every time we get at most maybe one person say, yeah, I'd come to that. Okay, so take the hint. Yeah, we've got a captive (laughs) audience in Holland. No one wants us. Our mates want us and I'm really eager to get them chatting on the podcast. Yes. I don't know what we're going to ask them, but we'll find something. Well, they can talk about their hopes and dreams for the weekend. Their hopes and dreams. For the weekend. Yeah. Are you looking forward to it a bit more now? Now that Yeah. Now that I've got something else to worry about. Okay, that's good. Uh yes. I it feels a bit that that might sound like I said that in a weird way. Because at the moment it doesn't feel real. So I'm not I'm not like looking forward to it or not looking forward to it of course i'm looking forward to it but it doesn't feel real like it'll feel real when i'm there but there was a point just because of the way everything's been where you weren't totally looking forward to it that's probably because i was coming down with something and didn't know yeah i'm actually really excited yeah um yeah uh the closer it gets the more excited i feel yeah um no i'm really excited just it's just as much as anything you know i love the love the gigs but it's those nights back at the chalet. Yeah, just with our chatting mates. with our mates. I yeah. love that with the fire on. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, it's the it's it's those moments really that I live for. Yeah. Um, and we haven't seen much of our mates in the last few years at all. No. So just the odd bit here and there because you know as well, particularly last year we were, for obvious reasons, very unsociable. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, got that to look forward to the start of the Meridian weekend season. Exciting. Exciting. Um, what's going on else in Meridian World? You, you well, just I've just seen. News. I've just seen a post on news. News. I just saw a post on Instagram. Oh my goodness! It's oh no! Why I got rid of it? It was still there. Where is it? Um, by Mister Petra Vowis. Can't say his surname. Travis. Uh let me see if I can find it again. Oh, this was the I'm glad you had this ready. It was It was the news that Transatlantic, the final flight live at Olympia, is now number three in the official rock and metal album charts, top forty. That's exciting, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there you go. That's exciting for them. And of course, fish. 
has announced a special competition, hasn't he? That's right. Fish on Saturday. Yeah, where one, Saturdays. one lucky Saturdays. winner will get to go to the funny farm and spend the day with fish, be on fish on Saturday and have a meal in the evening cooked by Simona, fish's wife. Did you enter the competition? Of course I didn't. Why not? Because I couldn't think of anything more awkward than that. How awkward would that be? So only one per. I I don't know why in my head I imagined it was going to be a group of people. No, one person. Oh, that is that's a lot of pressure. You see, you get more entries if we said you and a few other people. Yeah, one person. No, 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 no. Five lucky people, minimum five. Like ten would be better because you can blend in with the crowd. Yeah. Um, You sitting there having a dinner, making small talk with Fish and Simona. I mean, you know, we know Fish will just talk at you relentlessly and you won't have to make any conversation. But nonetheless, still awkward. Yeah. I'm not entering that competition. I'm not entering that competition. <laughs> what about if it was a meal cooked by Pete and Fiona? Sanya, would you enter that? I, it was, I, no, I'm still too awkward for that. But you, not you're obsessed with them. You're obsessed with Pete and Fiona. I like them. I admire them. Admire them. And also their couple goals and lifestyle goals because they travel a lot and they always look like they're having a great time. They so do. hashtag life goals. Yeah, I like us. They're we, inspiring. We, we don't travel a lot. And we're never having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but um. I don't like dinner parties. There, I've said it. Yeah. I find them really awkward and a little bit boring sometimes. So we it are, depends who you're with. I we guess. are going to get onto the hard shoulder in a minute. But while we're talking dinner parties, I should just tell my dinner party story or our dinner party story. Oh, okay. Story. I, I didn't know what you were talking about until you changed it to our. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm hoping um, I haven't told this story before on here. I might have done. Yeah, because it was so scarring it and traumatic. so scarring. Um, so we're the worst. So I, I, I became friendly with uh, a writer, um, slightly older than me. Um, I won't mention her name, but uh, and we sort of became friends. And I would go around. We were trying to sort of write something together. And she invited us for dinner one night and said that her best friend was coming. And um, oh, by the way, we love her. Her, oh, she's lovely. She's like she's really easy to hang to hang out yeah. with. So, and she, but she asked us for dinner. And now we, I find dinner parties really awkward, really awkward. Anyway, yeah, me too. Going for dinner with people. It's too grown up. Like, it's who wants so to do up. that? Oh, no. Um, so just let everyone let me, you know, if, if you ever think about inviting us for don't, dinner. Don't, just do don't, it. don't. We'll go to the, just look, don't. We'll go to the pub with you. That's fine. Yeah. But please, please don't invite us for a dinner party. Um, but we will go to the pub with you. We'll have a drink with you in You're Port just Taylor. basically telling everyone we're going to go to the pub with them. Yeah, we'll go to the pub with everyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> we will go. That's a promise. Uh, oh. As long as you're buying. Wah, wah. <laughs> wow. So, so she, she's lovely. But friend. I even sometimes find pubs hard going because... I can't hear very well. My brain can't filter sounds like foreground sounds from background sounds. So trying to hear what someone's saying to you takes like every bit of energy in your body just to to hear them and understand them. So, yeah. Anyway, so Sanya and I, we're not, um, you know, we're not grown up enough to really go to a dinner party and make that sort of small talk. No, we're not. So anyway, so we were on the way to my friend's house for this dinner party and I remembered mentioning 
the, this friend of mine was uh, was was friends with a, a woman called Janet Ellis. Now, Janet Ellis, uh, if you if you grew up in the UK, you may remember used to present the world's longest running children's TV show, Blue Peter. Uh, her, she's the mother of the singer Sophie Ellis Bexter. Um, and I joked on the way there, oh, could you imagine if her friend was Janet Ellis? Like, Sandy doesn't have a clue. Janet yeah, it didn't. Is. Yeah, it, I mean, I wasn't as starstruck as you. Well, I wasn't star. starstruck at all because <laughs> no. I didn't know who she was. So anyway, so we walk in, Janet Ellis is sat there. With <laughs> now, I grew up watching Janet Ellis, Sophie Ellis Bexter's mum on telly, right? Now, this wasn't a big dinner party. It was us, my friend and her husband, and Janet Ellis and her husband, Sophie Ellis Bexter's mum and stepdad. That's um, crazy. And... But I felt like a kid at their parents' yeah, dinner party. Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like the whole night because it was such grown-up conversation. And it was it got so bad that, remember, at one point, I just got a fit of inappropriate yeah, giggles over nothing just because I felt so awkward there, decided to just start laughing Yeah, because that's what you do. And then thought, well, this is weird, so I have to make up a story now about why I'm laughing and started to tell this stupid story about how our garden looks like the Somme or something. Yeah, and yeah, this is a really big posh house. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, big posh house, they're all talking, you know, the, the, the men are on one side talking about rugby not me because I'm, I'm I'm bullshitting about <laughs> rugby. Uh, and then on the other side of the table, the women are talking about the kids and all this sort of stuff, and Sophie and this, that, and the other. And the whole time, I'm just sitting there going, in my brain, in my head, I'm trying to have like an adult conversation. The whole time, my brain's going, ask her about Blue Peter. Go on, ask ask her about that time she was in Doctor Who. Go on, ask her, ask her, ask her about ask ask her about Sophie. Ask her about. <laughs> And it was like trying to act normal. I was so freaked out. And then on top of that, you just had this extra layer, the pressure of having to be function as a normal human being. Yeah, which just doesn't work. Yeah, a grown-up human being, which Sonia and I struggle with at the best of times. Yeah. Um, My God, we came out of there. We basically ran out of there. We were so so Um, tense. I think afterwards... (laughs) This is so bad. Afterwards, we were like celebrating that we were free. It is bad. Uh, yeah, but celebrating in a not it's entirely not... healthy way. Because <laughs> we were so... Because I was driving as well. There was no, you know... But yeah, uh, it was... <laughs> and the really sad thing is, I've never seen that friend again because... Because you didn't want to have to invite... Them here. <laughs> And have to do a dinner party here. I've I can't. Never, I've I'm never incapable to of since. that. I just can't. Please. No. Please. Anyway. But like, <sighs> I, it, it feels mean because it's nothing against the actual people. I love the people. They're lovely. Lovely. Um, it's just situations like that that are a little bit formal. Yeah. Like, oh, don't func- I don't function in those kind of situations very or well. Or indeed society. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So anyway, Marillion, the hard shoulder. Oh yeah. Uh, we should probably Where talk about we up that. To? Enough of my enough of my name dropping about the time I hung out with Janet Ellis. <laughs> um, where were we up to? We were up Asylum to Asylum Satellite, Satellite no- number one. Number one. Numero uno. Now, I'm going to start by saying I have on this podcast poo-pooed this song haven't i because it contains that noise that rothers started to make with his guitar oh what the adrenaline pedal is that what it is i think so i think you even read something the other day 
that yeah it, it was you mean on the previous version of this episode that we did <laughs> that we abandoned yes through. was that the one? yeah so don't don't be pretending we haven't done this once already <laughs> no i didn't know if that's when you'd said yeah. it oh okay well there you go yeah. Yeah. <laughs> another reason why you haven't had an episode for two weeks <laughs> if we're being honest oh well it wasn't flowing shall we say <laughs> You can read between the lines, but it wasn't flowing. We weren't quite in sync. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Rotopedo, I don't know. I've got a quote from him about, about adrenaline. the noise. Yeah, okay. I just let, read that let him tell us what it is. So Rother says, um, how, this is how he got the guitar sound. Now, if you're a, a music tech junkie, is that the word? Uh, junkie? I don't know. Connoisseur? Tech, tech. Lover. You'll understand know. all this. Goes right over mine and Sonia's heads. Speak uh, for yourself. My main guitar is a Blade Stratocaster. On that song, I use a Hughes and Kettner Rotosphere, which is a kind of le- which gives it a kind of Leslie type effect. It gives it a great sort of warble. Yes, that is that is what I would call it. I use various amps and sound boxes. My main amp is a Groove Tubes Trio preamp and a two hundred and seventy five power amp. That's kind of what I've used on all the albums since Anarachnophobia. There's various bits of equipment, but there are some that are my first choice, and the Rotosphere is one of them. The other one is the Roger Lynn Adrenaline pedal, which I use quite a lot on the new record. Some stuff you might think a keyboards is the guitar through this pedal. That's a really, really cool pedal. Uh, you can sync up to MIDI, so when we do these backing tracks, they're usually to a tempo map. So it's giving you this fantastic groove and atmosphere just right in the pocket of the rhythm. That's in the writing and recording stage. Uh, and he also says it's great to play live as well. Um, and he says it's a, a, a point in the set where I can actually just improvise. Every night it's different. Some nights it's great, other nights maybe not so great. There's always sort of a moment of danger and panic where you get to the point where you really don't know what you're going to play next. But it keeps me awake. Mm. Butter. Hey. Butter. The most interesting thing about that was... Learning that Rothers improvises well, he does on stage. He does in that song. Does in that song. I wonder if he improvises in any other songs. Well, I mean, all his, this is what he said before, is that all his kind of guitar solos are basically improvised. And then he the annoying thing then is, is he then has to work out how he played it, <laughs> go back and piece it together when they've got to record it. So in the jams, he'll improvise a solo. Right. Go, oh, then he has shit. to learn that. Yeah. And then learn it for playing live. Yeah. Um, which must be a bit of a nightmare. So I've I've always struggled with this song, as I have made clear, and it's mainly because I always found the song quite formless. And obviously that is by design because it's semi-improvised and was always designed, I think, to be like that. Uh, and I just didn't like that guitar sound because I fell in love with Rother's soaring emotive guitar solos and you know when I was a kid and it's like being in a relationship you know if you if you're in a relationship with someone they were the things that they you know it's a long-term relationship yes Paul I'm uh, listening the things they fall you fall in love with and if then suddenly one day they sort of announce that um oh my new interest is white supremacy oh. then you might <laughs> potentially this isn't based out. on Reality, by the way, everyone. This is an analogy <laughs> Paul's made up. That's what she says. No, but, it, uh, you know, and Paul, I'm not. Paul, clarify that. Sanya's not a white supremacist, okay, everyone. 
Now it sounds like wink, I forced wink. you to say that. <laughs> that was, it's like I forced you to, to deny I'm a white supremacist. Uh, you know, and I'm neither am I equating Rother's use of his adrenaline pedal with white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not saying it's on the same level as that. <laughs> however, that's sort of what happened. How, However, again, I'm saying however a lot, however, 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 in the process of doing this, this exercise, which is how I refer to our podcast that has now been running for like two, three years, the, this exercise I've been doing <laughs> called Beyond Pod. Um, I, 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 this song, it suddenly clicked for me. It suddenly fell into place. Wow. And how many listens did it take? Or was it straight away going into it? No, quite it this a few. Time? I mean, I don't listen to it often. And when they used to play it live, I, I would either stand there with my arms folded or wander off. Oh, you make it so obvious. It's like you're at a gig and just because they're playing something you don't like, you just fold your arms. I don't really. It was metaphorical folding. <laughs> I've seen you fold your arms. I don't arms. fold my arms. I sit on the floor cross-legged. And, and fold your arms. Yeah. And fold my arms. Uh, no, I know. It's fine. Yeah. So for, it clicked with me. It suddenly clicked with me um, in the last few weeks. Oh, nice. So I kind of like it now. Oh. Where are you at It with has it? grown on you. Um, whoa. You right there? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was falling over. Oh, now we're putting on glasses yes. and we're just. Yes, I quite like it too. Great. End of podcast. End of podcast. No, I really do. First, oh wait, while you were reading that, I wanted to. I wanted to say, did you notice the adrenaline pedal? Yes. Was invented by Roger Lynn. Do you think that's why they called it the Adrenaline Pedal? It, that's literally why they called it that. It's spelled Adrenaline with a capital L and two N's. That's so clever. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I wish. And is is we could it make was actually written by? Oh, um, it was actually created by Trevor Lynn. Oh, Trevor, not Roger. Lynn, uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe Roger. It doesn't matter because I'm trying to get to a joke. Okay. And his friend Malcolm Adrena. <laughs> <laughs> oh no his friend adren and he's roger so r lynn mm. so adren r lynn yeah that didn't make the joke any better did it sonia <laughs> no it <didn't. laughs> well, thanks for you let's move on another interesting thing i found with what you just read was brothers saying that there's parts of the song that you might not be able to tell whether it's keyboard or guitar. And yes. I actually had that experience listening to I, don't think, I think he's talking about the album as a whole because this is when he started using that, that setup in a big way. Oh, really? Yeah. Because um, I think I only wrote it for this song. I actually wrote it in my notes. Well, this um, goes to show you, you don't know which, what, what's guitar and what's keyboard. What, yes. Who, who can tell the difference? Um, I wrote that I thought the song was very proggy and psychedelic sounding mm. and that it has so much atmosphere that it gives me 1960s European love story film vibes. So kind of like a black and white film set in a European city 
the lovers are riding their bike through the streets and this music is playing in the background. That's the visual that mm. I was getting from the song. And I thought like it's really cosmic and the guitar sound is so unique unique. And then I wrote, actually, I don't know if it's guitar or keyboard. Mm. But turns out it's, it was probably guitar. Or maybe keyboard. But then maybe it was keyboard because I'm assuming the keyboard was playing. Yeah, well, How do we know definitely what's in what? there. Do you know uh, what I'd love to experience? If Marillion could one day take a song and then strip it into the part so we can hear exactly what the keyboard's playing, exactly what the guitar's playing, exactly what the drums are playing, exactly what the bass are playing separately and then put them together so that we can hear. Yeah. That like, oh, and then they come together and this is the final product. I've seen some people do that. With like, I've seen Pink Floyd do that. Um, people I'd be fascinated. And, you, well, but you know what? Especially for I, this song. I'll tell you what I would eat up, and I know Mike Hunter Nice won't. cake. Nom, 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 nom. Thank you. That was unnecessary, wasn't it? Mike Hunter, I know, is uh, a shy guy yes. or doesn't want to appear on Marillion TV or anything. But he's the guy, really, to take us through this. Yeah. yeah I'd love him to, yeah, as you say, take one track, like Be Hard On Yourself, and just, okay, re- you know, take back every single track. Yes. You know, or, you know layer every, by every layer. Stem yes. Just, uh, yeah, because I bet there's something cool buried that in that be? mix. Well, what, if he, what if he wears a mask, a mask and has a voice changer? You know, like they do in those documentaries yeah. where people don't want to be identified. So if he's shy, he can get his voice changed. Great idea. Or you can put like a deep fake face on him so no one will so know what like he looks Tom like. Cru- Tom Cruise and give him like, go make him inhale helium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then no one will know what he looks like or sounds like. So yeah. he's disguised and it's a safer environment and then he could do it. Yeah. Well, he's been on, he's been on Corona Diaries. Oh, so he's not shy to speak. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe there's hope for this project actually happening. I'd like, I would. I, that's the sort of really geeky thing that I love. I love it too. And I'm not even a geek and I still love it. Yeah. Yeah. But particularly for songs like this where it's like, I can't tell what's keyboard and what's guitar. I can't, sometimes I can't tell what's bass and what's guitar. I think it would give us an even sort of greater appreciation of the songs in a way and also absolutely the job that mike hunter does in piecing them together yeah uh yeah you know. oh it would 100 percent, it would yeah without a doubt yeah so, so it's yeah it's kind of you sort of described it as well this kind of cinematic romantic kind of thing it always seemed quite sort of loose and jazzy to me but with some again a bit like Man from Planet Marzipan. I can see a bit yes. of David Bowie in there. You know, the way it goes, yes. boom. And, yeah, maybe that's also the space theme. You know, we've got two songs kind of about space yeah, uh, next to one another. Um, Sci-fi songs. You know, but this is, there's something sort of very epic about this one. You know, we can see the madness so clearly from up here. You know, both sort of yes. in the mix and in, and in the music. Uh, it's quite widescreen, I suppose. That's it. Maybe that's what's creating that cinematic feeling. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's like those sort of big, the big kind of moments where the big boom, boom. You know that bit? Yeah. Do you? Because you look blank. 
<laughs> you just said, yeah, you don't. Yeah, know I don't. No, about. I don't. I don't know that bit. I'd have to re-listen to it. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the lyrics. Trying to call them up. Here we are, just so I can sort of talk about where it comes in. Um, it, at the beginning, it does. You know, it, it's got those sort of big swells that kind of come in, big chords, and then it it breaks down to. It said in the paper that ninety percent of the universe went missing this morning. Kind of goes very quiet, and then keeps going big again and then quiet and then big and then you've got that mad spacey sort of clearly improvised outro section mm. and then it goes all pretty again that's no, lovely yeah. I genuinely this is the I can't I believe I'm saying lovely. this about silent satellite number one because I always struggle with it but but all it took was for you to actually properly listen to it <laughs> I listened to it unfold your arms and have a listen with an open mind and an open heart. Mm. What do you think it's about? Well. I said in a weird way. What do I think it's about? Trying to ignore the previous time we recorded this episode. (laughs) Where I told you what it's about. Yeah. I know. I will ignore that because I can't remember. Oh. Um, But I, I mean... Basically, what you said was what I said, except that I went into it with an analogy. According to, according to the listeners, I haven't said it yet. Oh, well, you will in a minute. Mm-hmm. And I will start again with my analogy. So I am seeing this, My, I'm experiencing this mm. as another sci-fi song, yeah. like Man from Plaza, Planet Mars. Plaza. Plaza, Plaza, Plaza Manapan. <laughs> <laughs> Planet to Mazapan. Yeah, that's it. Um and I was seeing it as a kind of, I mean, obviously it's a metaphor for a personal experience of H's, but I was seeing it as this metaphor, the metaphor was of, in my head, it was an environmentalist. I don't know why I've picked an environmentalist. I don't know. There's no, nothing in the song. Well, that, it that... talks about seeing kind of the earth, from space, doesn't it? Yeah, but that I don't know why that in my head translated into someone being an environmentalist. Well, probably because the band have gone on about it at length of late, the environment. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, so this was like an environmentalist sci-fi song set in an alternate future 2022. Yes, well, of course, it mentions this song is now in the future of the song. Oh, no, we are now we in, are the in the future of the song. Of the song. And uh, it's very different to the song, so it's we're just going to say it was an it's an alternate future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ninety percent of the universe has disappeared. The government has taken over, so these environmentalists had to go and seek asylum off planet because they were worried, and those in power didn't like what they were saying, even though to them what's right and what's wrong seemed so obvious. The those in power and the majority of people didn't agree with them or didn't see what they saw. So I like the double meaning of asylum in that, number one, it's seeking refuge. Seeking refuge, um, you know, often it's people who've had to flee their homes to somewhere safer for them because their lives are at risk in their own countries or homes. But also there's another word for asylum, the out-of-date meaning uh, for an institution that's there to look after the mentally ill. So it's like 
pulling those two meanings together and sort of talking about someone who's had to go and seek refuge off planet because they're seen as mad in the eyes of the majority of people, or at least the people who are in power on Earth. And I think it links back to planet Marzipan in the theme of being able to see, like those, even though they're treated as the mad ones, they're able to see the madness in the world because they've got such a good zoomed out, big picture kind of perspective. So those who don't have such a big picture perspective mm. don't understand what they're seeing and see them as crazy. So it's that that similar theme of being out of touch with the majority and certainly out of touch with those in power. So you're the one that's viewed as insane and sent to asylum because you can see the insanity of humanity. I think that's a benefit of being an outsider, isn't it? I think yes. when you're in an institution, you can't see the wood for the trees. Yeah. You know, you, you're too close to it. Yeah. And... Well, sometimes you don't want to because if you if you see it, it will rock the status quo and you'll have to make changes. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm I'm sure that there are people in those positions of power that do see the what's happening, but they choose to ignore it. I, I, I'm talking about like climate change deniers and stuff because who who maybe own big businesses and so oh, no, no, actually not just that. It could be anything. What do you mean? Could be anything. Other than cl you're big. You're big on your climate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I mean. It doesn't have to be just like I think. Yeah, companies. I, it, I, it doesn't doesn't have to be just that. I see this in a way as a sort of sister song to Man for Planet Marzipan and the Invisible Man. In that, yes. I, if I remember, I couldn't I couldn't find the interview quote. But if I remember, and apologies to everyone if I am misremembering this, H said it was a he was inspired to write a song about refugees and people seeking political asylum, the idea that uh, reaching a time when the government wanted them out of sight, out of mind, and just put them all up on a satellite orbiting the Earth. Oh. That, that if I remember, was oh, his explanation. Right. Oh, that's a very different meaning. But as we all know with H, he often has multiple meanings within a song. So I yeah. think you're right when you talk about asylum having two meanings. Yes. The title here and I, I i see it uh it's a song really it is it is a song about being an outsider and, yeah you know as you say you know it isn't just climate uh no it's know, not that. it's it's bigger than that i don't know why when i was writing the notes i zoomed in on that and then just stuck to that i think it's a song that sort of is almost about anyone that isn't part of the system yes and the system is you know, Marillion are outside the music industry and can look mm. back upon it from yeah. a, from a, a distance. It's something. Like, yeah, good point. It's something I talked about recently on Patreon. I when I was because sometimes on our Patreon, I, I and I'm going to talk about this a bit more when we get to real tears for sale. I do write sometimes quite openly on our Patreon, www.patreon.com/slash/mrbiffer if you want to gorp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or get podcasts early. Uh, you know, I do sometimes write on there about kind of mental health and and things like that, you know, and I'm quite open about, uh, you know, such things. Um, but I've often used this metaphor about how you can't... 
It's like you can't see a view until you stand back from it. You know, it's like True. you can't see a mountain or a volcano or whatever when you're on it. You know, it's True. only or when you get... Or even if you're getting off it and you're still just under it, yeah. you still can't You can't really... get perspective on something until there's distance. Exactly. Now, sometimes you can get that distance by, by being exiled and i don't mean exiled in a political way necessarily but sort of sent away from any kind of institution and you know any kind of system or establishment or whatever it's like i mean do the people in the government you know do politicians see what we all see you know which is how really don't yeah because they seem so out of touch they seem you know even watching i'm a celebrity get me out of here with matt hancock on there he, it was like, is he really that oblivious uh-huh. to how the public perceive him or have perceived him in the past? Matt Hancock, by the way, is, if you don't know, um, those in the UK will know very well who Matt Hancock is. He was our health minister at the start of COVID uh, and he um, was booted out of the post after it was found that he'd broken his own rules by having an affair with a colleague um, and then lost. Yeah, his own isolation rules yeah, for own, lockdown. The rules that he put in place. He yeah. broke them. Um, he was caught on camera having a, a kiss and a cuddle and a pinch of her bum um, in his offices, which was forbidden. Uh, and then last year he uh, went on this kind of, I suppose, rehabilitation tour where uh, he appeared on the reality show I'm a celebrity get me out of here and release the book and so forth so anyway but yeah he just seems he seemed he seemed completely oblivious but they all to do. the public perception yeah and I guess I was wondering is he really oblivious or is he choosing to not let it bother him has he just kind of sprayed himself with teflon where the opinions of others just fall off him yeah, I don't know, but they him. all seem the or same. Or do they actually get to him in private, but he doesn't, he's, you know, learned to not let that show. But so many politicians open their mouth and what comes out is so stupid. I mean, Boris Johnson was another one that just seemed to not, not be affected. Yeah. By, you know, he'd mess up, mess stuff up and kind of just move on and it wouldn't bother him. So maybe, I, don't know. I mean, maybe it did privately. Who knows? I don't know the guy, but it didn't seem to. But my point is, it's like I'm trying to think of of other establishments that I might have had experience of that I've been. It's like because at the moment, you know, as I've gone on about, um, you know, I'm not uh, quite as fully in the TV industry as I once was, you know. But I always felt, I've always felt like an outsider my whole life. I'll be honest. I've never felt like, even when I've been a part of something, I've always felt separate from it. Mm. Um, you know, so like when I was, you know, a bit hot in TV, I always felt like I didn't belong or I felt, um, it wasn't imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome is like you don't deserve to be there or you haven't earned it. For me, it was always like, you know, and I have got some friends from the TV industry, but I always struggle to click with people to the point of kind of saying, you know, we're friends now. Most of my friends in my life are not from that job that I've had for like 20 odd years. 
Mm. You know, I've got very few friends from that job because I just always felt like they were all producers, writers, all of them were different people to the kind of person I am with different values and different sort of ambitions. Actually, you said an interesting thing. I think it was last week you had a meeting with some animators, but there were oh, more yeah, gamers. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I had a meeting uh, on Zoom with a bunch of animators for a show that I'm hopefully going to be working on. It's only a, a little kid's show for um, Sky here in the UK, funny enough, with an environmental message. Um, and I often have these Zooms and I have that feeling of, okay, we're on slightly different wavelengths here. But I had this meeting with these animators and it was like, I really like these people. They're on the same wavelength as me because they weren't producers. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't, you know, execs or writers or commissioners. They were people who just liked making animations. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, I really want to work with them. They because were creators like yeah. rather than business folk. Yeah, but I possibly. mean, you know, you ask most producers and well, writers think they're creatives, uh, but you oh, ask Oh, most... you felt, so you felt not quite belonging even with fellow writers. Sometimes, yeah. Oh, I mean, some I got on with, you know, kids TV more so. Anytime I ever worked in adult TV, I felt like an outsider. There was one time I worked on a show um, called Stella. Um, for oh, Sky. Yeah, I remember and that. We, they, it was set in Wales and they sent us all on a, a bus trip for the day to the town where it was filmed in Wales. Um, and I felt that day, I felt so isolated. You know, everyone was very nice and I talked to them all, but I just had this thing going, you're not my people. You're not my tribe. It's really weird. Um, I felt so sort of lonely I guess and I've often felt I often felt like that in TV and then I meet you know some animators and kind of go yeah yeah you you." click with them instantly (laughs) yeah um don't know but it's it's I suppose what am I trying to say how does this relate to asylum satellite number one um yeah and this that it's not a criticism of TV but I think I think and people who work in it but I think partly for me when I was, you know, when when I have worked in TV, the people within it often put TV and the entertainment industry on a real pedestal. It's why you have all these kind of congratulatory backslapping award ceremonies. You know, I've been to a lot of those. I couldn't wait to get out fast enough. You know, I'd seen people at award ceremonies literally storm out because they didn't win. You know, people that I've been sat on a table with. Mm. Uh, I've seen that happen three times now. Wow. <laughs> I've seen it happen three times. Someone storm out because they didn't win. I oh, know. Uh, and I'm sitting there going, really hope I don't win because I don't want to get up and make a speech. <laughs> Not being relieved. Yeah. Um, and I just think, A, why is it so important to you? You know, these these awards, you know, the company had to pay to submit it. So, it, it you know, the show had to be submitted you know, with money. Yeah, so it's not like it's a fair award no, it's out of all everyone. the shows. It's only out of whoever paid to yeah, be included and that's every in the award. running. Every award ceremony is the same. You have to pay to get considered. Right. That's how these awards make their money and then selling tickets for like a £1,000 or whatever. What? It's you know, hundreds. Get then, out. Yeah. And then, um, and then, you know, but then also some people, they're just really, I always saw it as a job writing. Right. I always saw it as a job. Whereas some people seem to see it as, or a lot of people within the entertainment industry see what they do as 
something more than just the job. So it was like as their identity, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Um, Which I guess then, if you don't win, that's an attack on your identity. Yeah, quite that's possibly. Hurt. Quite possibly. Um, so I guess yeah. it's similar to someone if someone criticizes either you or your behavior. If someone says you're stupid, that hurts more than that they say that thing you did is really stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is because I always felt slightly removed, I could see it. Right. You yeah. Know, I could yes. see it for what it actually was. Yes. Which I think is as much as anything for me, I may be misinterpreting is the message of this song. Is right. That you can see the madness because you're not in it. Yes. Yeah. Distance create distance gives you a better perspective. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's it's a great lyric. I think it's actually and I'm this is going against everything I've said ever on this podcast about this song. It's a great song. It is a great song. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. You got anything else to say about it? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, then let's move on. Let's move on. To Older Than Me, a song that was on the original track listing for somewhere else. Really? Yeah, so I, I found that this morning. I found a photo of the track listing, for, for the, the work in progress track listing for somewhere else and Older Than Me uh, and... Uh, especially true were both on there wow yeah. what replaced them well I, did I, you notice what no because it wasn't original... it was just the tracks they were working on at the time so you didn't notice what wasn't on that track listing that then ended up on the album well it was also a very work in progress because at the time it was uh somewhere else was was entitled here's one i broke earlier so um anyway that was all just a little bit of that was just a little bit of trivia. Ah, oh, good trivia. Mm. That's great facts, Paul. Thanks. Um, yeah. Do, do we want to talk about the music? That would be great. Off you go. All right. So the music for Older Than Me. I love the music box kind of sound that gives the song a really nostalgic feel. Like it's taking you back to childhood, which doesn't really match with the lyrics, so I don't understand <laughs> why I'm saying that. Well, it but, is, it's lullaby like. It sounds like a lullaby to me, and it sounds like a song similar to uh, It's Not Your Fault, which is on Less Is More, their next album, but you won't have heard that yet. Mm. Yeah, it's like a lullaby. It does. That's exactly what it sounds like to me. Yeah, which I'm kind of trying to link now. I'm trying to make the connection between that and the theme of the song. I wouldn't worry about that. No. Okay. Well, you know, maybe unless he's a baby and his girlfriend's like <laughs> six. I'm going to say 60. 60, maybe. No, there's, that's wrong. Okay, yeah. No, no sorry. At least that's I, awful. At least I stayed in childhood. Yeah. I'll cancel and delete everything I've just said. Um, yeah, so I, I really like – I found that re- – it's got a really unique sound, which I haven't really heard in any other Marillion song. Mm. I think it just stands out from all of their other music. And it's got such a strong atmosphere. I love, like, I'm assuming the music box sound is made by the keyboard. But again, yeah. until Mike Hunter does his series on breaking down the songs, we will never know. Mm. Well, we probably other people do know, but I'm not. A mus- enough of a musician to be able to tell so I'm assuming it's like the keyboard and then it kind of morphs into this sounds a bit like bells and the whole thing has a very dreamy 
nostalgic atmosphere about it. I just, I like it. I think it's got a strong atmosphere. I think there is precedent for Meridian doing songs like this. What? Which, which other well, one you can does it remind a, you a of? Collection. Uh, you could look at Going Under. You know, those kind of stripped back, sort of very or slow kind of mostly sort of keyboardy based songs. Yeah. You're really confused. No, I'm trying to I'm trying to make the connection. But I think it was more like the music box sound I found really unique. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, more than the the pace and the strip backness of the song. It was the actual sound. Yeah, well of I, it. I well look. I'm glad they do so different. I would not want every Meridian song to sound like it was made on a music box. I think that would be... No. <laughs> so there may be a reason why they haven't done many like that. Yeah, okay, you know. fair enough. <laughs> it's just trying to find a new sound. Yeah, but it was. It worked. Different. It was very new. Um, yeah, so I, that's all I've really got to say about the music. Yeah, I haven't got a lot to say. I just wrote pretty simple and almost acoustic, quite sparse. There's a xylophony sort of sound that's... You know, mm. might be that rather than keyboard. Oh, maybe, um, yes. Uh, again, I couldn't find the interview quotes uh, because H, H said he, he was imagining having an older partner, he, although Lynetta, his, oh, his, yeah. you know, his other half, is actually younger than him. She isn't older than him. Yeah, I was trying to put that <laughs> together. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she looks pretty young. But yes, she it isn't literal. It's H. I wonder what inspired that. I've always thought it was a bit weird. <laughs> I'll be honest, I always thought it was a weird lyric, given that she, unless he she knows isn't someone who has just, that situation. And... I, I I see it as it's. I I just see it as a song that's sort of saying that that maturity is more attractive than youth, or can be. It can be, yeah. You know, I mean, and... I saw it as well. Number one. I saw it as a song that Leonardo DiCaprio would never write. No. Never write and never perform. Goes against everything he believes in. Mm. And then I thought that, again, it was like um, it fit in with the themes of Man from Planet Marzipan and Asylum Satellite in having divergent views to the majority. Oh, yeah, I guess. So... Once again, you know, the majority of people might be in his in his eyes in this song might be judging him for having a partner that's older than him, but he can see the benefit in it. He can see the beauty in it and the blessing in it and what he places value on is very different to what perhaps the majority of society might be placing their value on. So it's being in a separate sphere of perspective than than society and once again seeing things through a different lens than perhaps most other people do. I'm saying perhaps because, like, we can never know for sure, but Mm. at least a different lens to what is portrayed in the media because yeah. we don't know what individuals are Well, yeah, I mean, I on. we live in a very youth-obsessed society. Media, yes. We live with very youth-obsessed media, which then well, p- probably influences what we 
as individuals place value on. Yes, yes, but I mean, you know, you, you, you yes, it's a chicken or an egg thing, isn't it? Which came first? You yeah. know, our obsession, and I'm saying our, not me, but our as a society obsession with youth whereas you know back in the day it was the the, the elders that were respected and were kind of given whereas now it yes I'm getting, in tribal yeah times. In tribal times whereas now as i'm getting older i feel i feel my power slipping away in society i feel less and less relevant as time goes on but is that um, coming from within you no or is that well no <laughs> you know is that you sort of going on a, maybe even subconsciously sort of going, well, society has been sending me this message and so you're, it's bringing it out of you or well, is it something really, that is no. – do you think that's actually true? Yes. I'm sorry. Does that Did that sound attacky? It didn't – Well, no, it's a bit, mean, wasn't really where I was going didn't with didn't mean it, but, to. But, yeah, it is true. Sorry, you know, it's a huge part of why my career has struggled in the last two, three years. It is. You know, uh, I know full well that – yeah, I, I read something almost every day that makes me feel that I'm less valued. Almost every day, I read something about over fifties, um, and it almost being like it's this cutoff. Now, until I started seeing all that, and until I started ha- experiencing the effect of being older, hmm. um, of, of reaching my 50s until I firsthand experienced it it never even crossed my mind really that it would happen I always thought I had as a TV writer a sell-by date because they were very because it's a very young industry TV yeah Um, so I'm wondering how much of these feelings within you have been influenced by the industry that you're part of wait a minute I don't know if you've lived with me or not for the last three years, but my work dried up quite dramatically. <laughs> yeah, um, no, 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 no. But wait, yeah. this I was going somewhere with that. So what I was saying, I was wondering how much these feelings of losing power have been influenced by your industry, because there's certainly other areas of life where elders are are revered, or like even if we take a look at Marillion themselves, yeah. I mean, I just think, like, the fact that they're not in their 20s and 30s has given their music and the fact that they've kind of stepped away from mainstream, the mainstream but music they industry. To, so, this but is my point. Given, but they do you think that's to. made it so much, their music yes. so much better? Yes, but, but regardless, they were shunned. They were, you know, considered 20 years ago rock dinosaurs, Marillion. You know, I'm saying that in quotes. You know, they were... But again, it's another industry that values, places more value on youth. So, like, if you look at people like Eckhart Tolle and his industry, he's not a young guy. And I think he's... It works for him to be older because people see his age... He's not that old, but... You know, as opposed to if he was a twenty-year-old, you might be like, "What do you know, mate? You've only been around for twenty I know. years." I don't, Whereas, I don't so really what I'm know saying is, is going. Oh, no, I'm trying to say like this feeling that you this what you've been experiencing. How much of it might be linked to the industry that you've been part of? Because had you been part of a different industry, perhaps, well, yeah, completely. what you're experiencing, hundred no, percent. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, it's not a universal truth. That at a certain age, you're losing power. Okay, but no, wait a minute. 
that's not strictly true. I mean, I, this isn't really the conversation I wanted to have, but okay. Well, okay. you don't no, have no. To, you don't have to add it into <laughs> no, the no, podcast. It, it's, it's, it's fine. We're going I there just now. It's fine. But regardless, every day I read something about the difficulties of either changing career or finding a job or whatever in your fifties. You know, to the point that the government uh, and or employers are giving kind of over fifties the option to work three days a week blah 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 because there's a there's a manpower shortage at the moment mm. um yeah they're trying to lure over 50s back to the workplace mm -hmm. okay now in my experience like last year when i was trying to find a job mm -hmm. uh they didn't want to know because it was like i was i'm too old you know or considered too experienced however you want to dress it up or needed to be paid too much because i've been knocking around for so long and yes i do or have worked in an industry that is very youth focused yeah you know, I, there are that's definitely writers. true there are that's definitely writers. true however i do also think that it is broadly speaking a truth within society as a whole mm. that that once you hit 50 and go past it you know you better cling on to your job for dear life because if you lose it you're going to struggle look at my brother-in-law you know, he was an extremely successful uh, accountant, got made redundant. He's now working as a, as a, he was a financial director, you know, but because he was over 50, you know, he's now had to get work as a, a Tesco delivery driver. You know, it is unfortunately, we live in an ageist society, mm. you know, and as I say, this isn't what I wanted to talk about because I was going somewhere with the point about, oh, about no. youth and maturity and finding yeah. maturity attractive. But uh, but I, now I'm completely lost. I'm lost in a maze of my own mind now. Oh, um, okay, we don't have to talk about it. No, it's fine. I mean, fine, I just wanted to explore it. I'm not saying I, I, this I'm not is... saying like I have a point and my point is right or anything. I just wanted to explore it because I'm I was what I was trying to get at, which probably I'm not doing very gracefully, is just because society or a particular industry might be not value, valuing people as much after a certain age doesn't mean that people of a certain age aren't valuable. No, that's right. And yeah. I, that's, I think and that's why. And haven't got anything no, and to I don't, offer. I, I don't and want... I almost want to fight back against them and go, we'll show them that Okay. You can, but it's yeah, it's, it's more complicated simple. than that. It's not I, that simple. I'm aware of that. That's why. Yeah, no, I'm you know, fully I've aware had, of I've that. I've had three years of fighting against this. Yeah, so, you know. Well, yeah, but it, you can't. Yeah, it's if, not going to work fighting that industry, is it? No, I th you know, but I, I've had three years, and it feels like longer of trying to sort of fight to be heard. Yeah, you know, and I'm talking about you know we came to YouTube. I came to YouTube late in life. You know, I kind of took eight years off from being Mr. Biffo. Um, for various life reasons and then when i came back it felt like the world had moved on without me and i i felt like i've been fighting for almost a decade now to kind of reclaim my place yeah that i used to have when i was young but because i'm old uh i can't uh you know so i think i think i'm more getting to a place now of resignation mm -hmm. rather than wanting to fight you know, I, mm, this is the thing. Yeah. It's like, I mean, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I'm, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, you know, hitting 50 or whatever, um, it feels, 
you know, I this is why it's sort of weird that every day I'm reading articles about over fifties, and also the 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 ageism they face in the workplace, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, because I've never, I you know, I, I even though I always kind of thought, looked around me in TV and kind of went, shit, there's no other. That you know, I could see myself getting older and older in rooms as being the older one, mm. you know, gradually over the, my time in TV, you know, until I was eventually the oldest person in the room, um, you know, and I'd look around and go, ah, shit, what am I going to do when I'm, you know, <laughs> in a few years' time? They're not going to want me, and it turned out to be the case. But I, you know, and I also remember years ago I worked briefly on the sick on my family, mm-hmm. um, the final series of that. And that was done in a you know an American style is that they had like a writer's room and I was brought in as like the new hot young thing. And there was another writer on there who'd worked on Cheers and I think he'd worked on um Frasier and a whole bunch of American sitcoms. A great guy, a lovely guy, an American writer. Uh and he'd been struggling to get work and he said, because I hit my fifties. Wow. And it always stuck with me. And I was like, Christ, you know, but I hoped I'd buck. Yes. Buck the trend. But it, it's still, nonetheless, even though I kind of had that in my head that that might happen to me one day, even though I had it in my head, I also am like, but shit, I'm writing better than I've ever written. Exactly, because you've got the better, experience. I don't feel particularly older, you know, as in I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not interested, you know, I've matured, I hope, but it isn't like I'm kind of going, oh, I'm, feel ready to kind of be put out to pasture. Yeah, you, you feel like you've I mean, still I feel got like a I'm lot in, to yeah, offer. I feel and... like I'm in my creative prime. Yes. But but nonetheless, I am getting to a point because I feel like I've been fighting to prove that for so long now that mm. I am getting to the point where I'm going, you know what, it's fine. I need to kind of stop looking outwards and focus inwards a bit more and kind of just draw my wagons around. And I wonder if... Um, when I said fight before, I didn't mean fight against the TV industry because I think that's it's like David and Goliath. But I mean, it might be worth looking towards Marillion for some pointers because whatever they've done, it's but I, worked. Okay, it's all well and good again. But what have they this done? Is, again, this isn't really. They stopped what? fighting the music industry and they went inwards. But I've lean stopped, in, I stopped. They leaned into wait, their wait. strengths. I don't think I. I've looked at Marillion for inspiration. We're trying to do a digitizer weekend this summer. We haven't sold the tickets. You know, we haven't sold enough tickets. Everything feels a bit more of a struggle. So it's like it's it's okay, all well fair and good enough. Going, but I think that's a different issue because that is cost of living crisis and the hotel okay. fees. Have well, look, gone regardless, up though, but threefold. you go through enough. You, you have enough bloody holes in the road that eventually you go. I'm fed up with driving down this road. Yeah, because, fair enough. Know, I mean, yes. So, and I'm getting to that point. Is the yeah. reality, okay. and it's like you know, Marillion are not me. Marillion had a huge fan base. They had like you know number one albums in the eighties. They always had enough there that would support them. They always had a loyal fan base. You know, you know. So I don't. Again, this isn't really what I wanted to talk about at all. Okay, but, well, we don't, I mean, you can but, cut all this out. No, it's no, fine. it's in here now because it's I made just, up the bulk I, of the podcast. I know. Did you want to 
continue what you're saying. No, it's fine. You what I was saying wasn't necessarily copy what Marillion have done. I'm not talking about the physicality of what they've done. I'm talking about the energy of what they've done, which is lean into their strengths and and go inward and go, okay, what do we want to do? What music do we want to make? Instead of fighting to be seen, fighting to be yeah, heard. Yeah, but that's what I was talking about, about industry. drawing the wagons around. I already said, yeah, you know, kind of going inwards. Yes. You know, that's okay. That, yeah, that's, yeah. that's literally what I what I meant by that. Right. You know, and while, but the thing is, it's also, you know, they really don't have the luxury of, of having a big enough fan base that they can monetize it to a degree i don't have that luxury that i can monetize our audience to the point of making a living off it i have to find other ways to supplement my income yeah you know it isn't it isn't as easy as kind of go just do what marillion do but no i didn't mean it literally i wasn't speaking literally i was speaking energetically and also look lucy and the band may deny it i i you know i'm sure marillion going and jam I've still got this sneaking suspicion that an hour before it's dark and fear were to a point put together in a way so as not to scare the horses. You know, I'm still convinced that, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're quality albums and I'm not saying by any means there was anything cynical about what they've done, but I think the days of Marillion doing wild experiments and trying to sort of, you know, fish around for different different genres of music that they can play. I I think those days are gone. You know, I think they've realised that, which I'm glad about because I think Marillion have realised that what our fan base want is what we do the best, do best, you know, and that, that you know, then they're of a certain age now that I think they want to kind of, you know, just keep going as long as they can and have enough money for retirement. And I don't blame them for that at all. Um, so I don't think it is the case that oh, Marillion okay. just just do what they want. I think they are having fun. I mean, you only have to look at them kind of, you know, playing different sorts of venues to what they've played in the past, you know, and playing places they've always wanted to play. And, you know, it's clear that, you know, by bringing Louis Jardim on tour, et cetera, et cetera, it's, you know, that's a, a way to mix things up and keep it fresh and keep it fun and, and so on. But, I think in terms of albums, it's, I, it, I don't know. It's just a felt sense thing. I, mm. I've i just got a feeling with the last two albums that so, somewhere on some level, someone or someone's are kind of aware of the kind of albums that will perhaps be a little bit better received by their fan base than, say, Radiation or Meridian.com or somewhere else. So are you saying that if they were to make an album without considering what the fans want to hear, that it would sound really different. Well, look, they they deny that they would ever make anything that the fans want to hear. But then there is also, because, you know, we know they write by jamming, but then there is also the whole selecting which bits end up in the songs, <laughs> you know, bit of the process. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I do. I genuinely think. I think if Marillion, but then they're also, uh, it's not as simple as that because they're also a democracy. You know, they, yeah, all, true. they all vote on it. Yeah, um, so there's a lot of people that have to agree. Yeah. Anyway, that's, this would meant to be about older than me. Thanks a lot for derailing my entire I think it fits. I think it fits. Uh, I think it fits with what 
older than me is saying. I yeah, I I, th- I for me it's an album that is also oh, an album a song that that is saying that being older you've still got a lot to offer. Um and that that's actually more attractive than being young. Oh, sorry, so he's the thing I read this morning. I read this morning about some uh TV show or something and or TV company. TV production company and who are described as a young dynamic team. It's like, okay, so we can't be dynamic because we're in our fifties. You know, and it was like every the time thing I'm is, reading though, some... the, the population's aging, so this isn't going to last <laughs> forever. Why is the why is a young? Oh, well, I saw um, on TikTok. It's uh, a lady who was like a model in the nineties, I think nineties or eighties. Anyway, I think she's in her sixties now. She's still stunning. She's got her own. She's, she became a makeup artist and she's got her own makeup line. And she was saying, dear advertisers, I'm not going to buy your products unless you represent people of my age as well. Yeah. We've got more disposable income than but, the young. Some of us. Some of us. <laughs> well, okay, she yeah. does. Um, you know, represent us. Yeah. Why aren't I seeing people who look like me in advertising, people who are my age in advertising? Yeah, oh, I'm getting to a point where I'm feeling like, oh, Christ, I should start a campaign or something. Because it's like, why is a young team considered more valuable than someone who's who's experienced? I mean, all right, okay, I know you can bring fresh ideas to the table, but it's like, I feel like I have fresh ideas every day oh you've got a plethora of fresh ideas every day you know and yes okay you know maybe i don't know all the latest slang or the Which latest fads do you really need to because the slang changes every, every, day every anyway. year Just so it, yeah slang dates something so i don't know i mean you know i get i think every team whatever that team is should be made up of a combination of young and old absolutely you know, yeah if you've just got one or the other it's it's gonna be slanted the wrong way anyway so yeah so it's a song about i mean i i'll be honest i've always you know i i've got to watch how i say this but uh i don't get the whole particularly for men the whole young women equal attractive thing because sometimes i sort of look at you know you look at sort of you know 18 19 20 year olds and you just go god you look so like a sort of baby bird taking their first steps or whatever. And it's like, that's not, you know, it's not the same as someone who who can hold themselves in the world, but also who, who, yeah, I'm glad we met. You know, I lo- would have loved more years with you than we've had, but I'm glad we met a, a relatively, uh, you know, late stage in our lives because it meant so much more to me that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with me, you know, having reached the ripe old age of 34 as you were when, when I met you, you know, and you've kind of been through what you didn't want and you knew what you wanted by that stage. And that, you know, it was young people, do, do any of them know what they want from life? Who <laughs> you know, that? So it means so much more. Uh, to Leonardo DiCaprio. I just it's tragic. Sorry, what have you got in common, mate? Sorry, it's just, it's pure lust. I don't care. I don't know how much sound judgmental, but it is. Sorry. <sighs> anyway, Older Than Me, lovely little song. <laughs> I'm exhausted after all that. I didn't expect it to go oh, there. Yeah. I was just trying to make a point about not fancying 18-year-olds. <laughs> you know, 
That's all I was trying to say. And then yeah, I went on. Yeah, but I mean, it, it is relevant to your life, that, yeah. that theme. It is relevant at the moment. I don't know so. if I really discussed the song at all, but regardless. Oh, anyway. What else did I write? Nah, I'm done. You don't, you don't want it. I'm done. Else. This has gone on long enough. <laughs> okay. It's gone far long enough. But I think you make a good point anyway, and I don't think you're alone in experiencing what you're experiencing. Yeah. It sucks. Um, it really sucks. I just, I guess where I was coming from, my side is, you know, those few people that have managed to break through and despite being more advanced in years and it's like how how did they do that you know is it just because they didn't give up because they were like no f f it i'm i'm just gonna live my life like i don't care what society says i've got i've still got a life to live and i'm gonna do it they kind of like didn't care about the opinions of society and so they managed to break through i don't i don't know i don't i think i'm being a bit vague and abstract sorry i'm gonna stop now yeah i've struggled a bit sorry a bit. Uh, because these thoughts aren't like fully they're still very abstract also as well for me yeah, it's like i don't you know I mean, what does breakthrough mean uh, breakthrough in the sense that their age isn't a barrier anymore for them. Well, okay. Or maybe it never was. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I just ever think every message I'm being told by society at the moment and the industry I work in and everything is telling me you're less valued now than you were, say, 10 years ago. Every, you know, and every, yeah, I'm treated differently. Uh, and it's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's really horrible. Um, that's the best word for it. Yeah, it feels horrible to, to when I kind of go, but I've got so much to offer to, to be, by be treated that way just because I've crossed a certain threshold. Um, or because I've got a bit more grey in my beard than I used to have. You know, that, that scene is you're tired, you're washed up, you're, you've run out of ideas rather than what it should be, which is you've got experience, you've got the skills, you've got... Wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, maturity. You know, you've got... A, a, I've just got so much more to offer than I did when I first started in the industry. And yet, don't count for anything. Yeah, they want young people. But anyway, hopefully get to work with those animators. <laughs> they were fun. Right, okay, I think that's it for this week. Um, fingers crossed, dependent on disasters, we will have another episode next week. Um, then we will probably be taking a break for a week because of Port Zealand. And then we will be back with our Port Zealand special. Yes, why are you just why why are you zoned out staring at me? No, I was taking it in. <laughs> I was taking in everything that you were, you were saying. Looking at me in a really odd way. I was just listening. That's called listening. I know it's rare to have me actually listen. Uh -huh. That's called listening. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, a hard shoulder part three next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed. If you want to listen to some bonus stuff, 
get episodes early or not early at all, such as this one, um, join our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. Uh, subscribe, tell people about us, all that that I always say. We're doing a live show in the summer that I've talked about. Tickets are selling. Yeah. Um, it's not about Merillium, but you can come and say hello to us and meet us. I'll leave some details in the in the episode description. That's it then. Right. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Bye. Thank you.